Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Read? What's happening? Am I dead? I bet you like zombie books. I like food. Do you have food? You don't need food at dividedbyzerobooks.com. It's full of nutrient-rich science fiction. Ugh, I'm stuck in an ad, aren't I? Once I stop talking, reality will collapse until someone plays this ad again. This isn't the first time we've had this discussion, and it won't be the last. Hello, stranger. Do you like to read? Hey, this is Derwin from the Blanket Fortress of Solitude, and with me today, I am getting a second bite at the apple. Because you see, kids, uh, back in December, uh, my computer self-destructed, and along with it was the interview with the gentleman that I had was so gracious enough to loan me his time. And uh, he's really kind of a smart, creative guy. He's the guy I want to be when I grow up, even though I think I'm older than him. And his name's Kyle Newbridge. Hey, Kyle, thanks for coming back on. Hey, Darren. Thanks for having me. I'm blushing a lot. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I just assumed it was like a skin irritation thing or like a fungus, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, lighting from the camera is what I would have hoped someone would have assumed. (laughs) (laughs) So you are a uh, Indiana expat now living in Seattle. Yep. Where'd you grow uh, up in Indiana? Evansville, Indiana. Very, very southern tip of the of the toe of Indiana. <laughs> uh, went, yeah, born there, grew up there, went to college there. Uh, Throw a rock and hit Kentucky, huh? Uh, yeah. Uh, after college, well, I mean, I was kind of sick of it by college, but I, I oh. knew I wanted to to go anywhere else uh no i wanted to go to a city um chicago was too close new york was too new york (laughs) so uh i've only been in new york once for about a week and Mm. i'm like wow this is like traveling into the future it's intense (laughs) it would have required a very different kyle to make it in new york i think (laughs) or um why not indianapolis i'm curious also too close. Uh, I really wanted to get out of the state. Um, Got it. I, I I have friends all over Indiana still, and a lot of them Indiana or Indianapolis works fine. Uh, but I was uh, I was looking to get very far away. <laughs> I get it, man. Like when you're you know you, you go forth and conquer the world, that sort of thing. I, I that's smart. You don't want to stay in your hometown forever. Um, but okay, so. You went to college, and there you met a, a friend of ours that we have in common, and Cassie, who used to be my editor back in the day. Now she edits for you, and she had this when me and her worked together. We, we still work together sometimes, and when me and her worked together the most, we she had this ability to see where we needed to go. Mm. Right, I was always the guy that was like kind of right in front of us on the ground of the moment. And she was like, oh, here's where you need to be three years from now. So you met her in college. Yeah. Uh, at the time, she was the editor of Fishhook, which was like the student literary journal. Yes. Um, took a bunch of student fiction in, uh, edited, made it presentable, uh, and, and published it. Uh, I was president of the Student Writers Union, um, which uh, was, you know, the quote, writing club. Um, was this like a Jets and Sharks thing? Uh, oh no, we we got along great. Um, it was more just uh, like 
you you would have think I would have gotten published in Fishhook at some point, but no, I was like, like, <laughs> oh, man. So I was I was thinking about this actually. <laughs> Sorry to go on a tangent right here. Please in the beginning. do, please do. Uh, my dad was a frat guy, sure. and I could not stand any of the frat guys in at USI at the time I was going there. Sure. Uh, and I think that's because the Student Writers Union was kind of my frat. <laughs> I mean, you found your people. Found my people there. Uh, and I, I was just thinking like, oh man, you know, did I actually accomplish anything at Student Writers Union? But then like my other, like another Kyle in my head just immediately like knocked that one out. I'm like, you did lots of stuff in Student Writers Union, Kyle. <laughs> you were just as busy then as you are now. You're just like better at making money on the, the bullshit you do these days. <laughs> hey, that's that's the dream, man. Making money doing uh, doing what you love. That's really great. Let's go into that. So what says so that was brought you to Seattle? Um, sort of, uh, definitely like the idea of, I felt like I could launch myself off here. Um, I didn't, I didn't have really a concrete idea of what I needed to do, but I had like a direction and I knew there wouldn't be the same opportunities in Indiana that there are here. Um, um, I mean, the big one just being like, frankly, minimum wages, higher here so i could make more and actually build up a savings account while living cheap uh and yeah as i moved here i worked at a bank for five years i was still doing content making comics and stuff but uh yeah at the start of the pandemic i ended up well not the start uh, middle of the pandemic uh oh this whole thing's gonna have a start middle and end now oh well maybe that's optimistic i'm talking to myself Uh, oh you're fine you're fine you should see i i I tell people I'm talking to my cats with quote marks and yes, the cats mm-hmm. exist, but we both know I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to myself <laughs> most of the time. Oh yeah. Uh, point is uh, 2021. I, uh, January, I left my day job and struck it out as a freelance artist, writer, everything. That's I do so everything. Cool, everyone. <laughs> That's, yeah. I bet it's exhausting. <laughs> tell me what, talk to me about what you do. Like what's, what is everything? mean besides you know running a household and and all that stuff that you do but household of Uh, one at the very least um well uh as far as like creative stuff and my like main projects uh mainly comics actually um i have a horror series called of this light um which has kind of been my main thing but uh uh lately i kickstarted a comic called punchline is death which is like more of a dark humor autobiography talk to me about that yeah and um, you also, uh, I think we really connected through Anachronistic, which is the fiction podcast. Uh, I either am making or have finished making uh, the first season of by the time this goes live. Uh, probably sometime in May. I think. Okay. Yeah. If I'm, it's in I'm, May, I'm, I, I really hope season one's done in May. <laughs> I'm, I'm usually <laughs> about three months out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Talk to me about your comic book, sir. Yeah. Uh, so uh, in December uh, of 2021, I kickstarted uh, The Punchline is Death. It, so uh, it's a series of comic strips, essentially, about, uh, well, have you have you seen the Disney movie Inside Out? Is that the movie about the emotions that live in the kid's head? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
kind of my version of that, except rather than it being like happiness and sadness and anger in my head, it's like more niche concepts like <laughs> trust issues, uh, <laughs> social anxiety. Um, <laughs> that high school version of myself that still has that crush on that girl I, I fell in love with in fucking sophomore year of high school. I didn't Why get do over I hate for myself when I brush my teeth? Right? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? <laughs> and uh, it's sort of uh, an attempt for me to explore a lot of complex emotions I had to work through. And I have a rule with Punchline is Death is that I don't write about anything I haven't actually like processed. Um, I, I like to actually like know what I'm saying before I say it because- The story has to be finished before you can tell it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, and, and especially when you're dealing with emotional things, like there's always a bit of it gets worse before it gets better. Sure. And boy, do I not want to be that guy that publishes stories uh, coming from the place from when it's bad. <laughs> well, what do you mean when it's bad? Like, you mean like well, a, like a heart, like a breakup in a relationship, like a family interdrama where you're like, oh, I'm so mad at my dad right now. I'm going to write about it. Well, it can depend, but like the thing that really comes to mind is like, uh, I, I had uh, one of the things I talk about is a a really 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 bad breakup I had once. Okay, and uh, it's not so much about like talking about the person; um, it's more just the like immense trust issues I built up from how that all played out. Sure, uh, man, I didn't really have a what I would consider healthy opinion about people. Um, yeah. uh, I'd like to say it never really got specified at say women, but it definitely could have. Uh, I mean, it's, and I don't hold it against you. If you were a young guy and you didn't, like you got arrested. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a young guy, you got your heart broken and then you're mad about it. It's, it's a thing. I I think that's a common thing for a lot of guys and they kind of work their way through it and they get over it. Right. Like, and that's, I, I think that's true and that's healthy, but there's a difference between telling that story, like telling that story now, once I'm through yeah. it and trying to guide people through that healthily is different than like, I'm still in the middle of it. Oh, I'm angry at that uh, people and i'll never love again and then i just like start telling the wrong lesson because i haven't actually yeah, finished right studying one. yet <laughs> yeah. I, I i get what oh. you're saying i because i've done that i i've i well the the part where you uh have a bad experience romantically mm-hmm. and then for a while you hate all of the opposite gender right <laughs> or or anybody you're particularly romantically interested in let's say mm-hmm. and but really a lot of that, I mean, I know for me, it was kind of taking my own trust issues because I, I'm like, oh, you made such a bad call, Derwin, that, you know, so you have to pretend that everyone else is out to get you. So you don't ever make that bad call again. It's a weird distancing. I also had like 18 months of therapy recently. So I'm all way up in my emotions and it's very exhausting. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, I definitely had the thing, and this is something I, I try and talk about. It's very complicated, but the sort of oh, yeah. uh, almost PTSD response of, like, you start viewing people caring about you as a threat, and... You look for the grift. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, again, like, I, I, I don't want the core of my work to... I want to help people with, 
what I write. And so I go into really dark places, but sure. I want there to be a, a healthy other side. Well, of course. And, and that's good. Uh, uh, that's a good thing. I think, I think you have to, you know, you can't scrub away all the darkness. Mm. Life doesn't work like that. Life's really, really hard mm-hmm. most of the time. <laughs> and occasionally, everyone kind of agrees hey let's make this thing called society work right and Mm -hmm. then it's kind of nice sometimes me Mm -hmm. so i think that's i think that's why i gravitated so much toward your work and especially towards uh, anachronistic because you know i you know uh, i really enjoy listening to things they're like oh it's sci-fi and it's high concept but everyone's really depressed (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, like life's really hard and bleak. And why would you be happy? That's stupid. Like, <laughs> I get it. Talk to me mm-hmm. about anachronistic, sir. Uh, right. So it is a uh, fiction podcast uh, about a guy who travels the country fixing rifts in time and space. Uh, and he is traveling with the love of his life, who he knows he is never going to get to end up with. Oof, that's rough. And uh, the whole story is is told posthumously. He is it, it is sort of a last will and testament he is giving to uh, said love interest. Uh, it, right now, there's just one season so far. Uh, it's mm. been really well received. I think it's the best thing I've ever written. I have ideas for a season two quite a bit in the future because it's a lot of work to make, and I want to make sure it's all pre-pro done this time instead of half written. <laughs> I I tell people it's kind of like if you take American Gods and Supernatural, like the book. I haven't seen the show American Gods. Mm. I'm talking about the book and Supernatural, right? Kind of a lot of (laughs) yeah. Well, like there's a lot of monster of the week sort of like event of the week elements of the episodes, but also much like Neil Gaiman's American Gods, there's a sort of like through line of you know high concept fantasy and just general sadness and depression and i'm like oh i like this sort of thing but it's so (laughs) different that Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't feel like a copy paste it feels you know i can spot the inspirations a little bit but it's it's so uniquely fresh and different and i so enjoy it and 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 how many more episodes do i look forward Um, to there will be 12 episodes in the season uh 10 comes out tomorrow yes. i think that's okay no that's nine nine comes out tomorrow but one comes out tomorrow is what one I mean. comes out tomorrow yes. that's what i wanted to hear <laughs> okay i i'm focused on 10 tens Ooh, uh <laughs> i'm not gonna give spoilers or anything but i have a feeling we're gonna be working on 10 till the day it comes out because that's just <laughs> how the production's going on this <laughs> so talk to me about production of this because like i know for me like i produced a much much smaller thing than you did it was a three-part series about oh look at the sad boy who all his friends are dead <laughs> like it's you know it, it's of a similar similar vein but and um, there's zombies <laughs> yeah there's zombies right <laughs> uh, so um, in my case uh well with with anachronistic i uh I've, I've had the outline for anachronistic for years and years and years. I think I actually had the first drafts for it before I even moved to Seattle. So that's awesome. Uh, I, I've, I've quote been working on it for like five years, but I really only seriously started uh, around the time the, the pandemic started. 
Um, and I had, before I got started recording, I had about six scripts written and uh, did all the recording, caught up to those six scripts, uh, took a month break, wrote another three scripts in that time. Still got a couple episodes left and <laughs> caught up to that and we're rolling towards the end. Uh, but uh, I write my script. I pass it on to Cassie. Cassie edits it. Ca- Cassie, you know, gives me a once over, makes my, like, keep in mind, the scripts aren't really meant for like book reading. They're really just meant for me to read. And Cassie has a great way of somehow like, oh yeah, that would have been really confusing for me to read as I give lines. Thank you for <laughs> this. Oh yeah, just put a little. Yeah, she's brilliant. Yeah, this like is she, she always there. made all of my stuff sound smarter and more thought out than it really is. And, uh, once I do that, I record the lines. Uh, I sort of pick out of you know a couple of songs and a couple of sound uh, sound effects that I want to like hit the vibe, and then I pass it to my buddy Fable, who is uh, my sound guy, uh, sound sound friend, and uh, they take everything and make it good. <laughs> uh, I I know just enough about sound design to make Fable's job a little bit harder than it needs to be. <laughs> you can just buy Fable beer, though. <laughs> I yeah. Uh, I, uh, uh, I I told you about this before we went live, but I'm helping Fable currently with a Kickstarter that they're doing to make a TTRPG system. What and is that's a TTRPG? Very, what now? Uh, TTRPG, uh, like Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Uh, tabletop role playing game. Got it uh and so it's uh a a game like that but more for very much more for collaborative storytelling and less like math and like uh, okay i roll a 20 the the dragon and the dragon die (laughs) that's actually kind of what i like about fable system okay so like i do like the mechanics of a lot of those games like i'm the person that likes to take those games and like this this is these these things are meant so you can make a fantasy character who goes and does fantasy things great i'm gonna take those rules and make iron man but you're not supposed to make Iron Man. I'll find a way to make Iron Man. Uh, He's bronze. Bronze man. Uh, as a warforged artificer who has laser hands. Sure. Uh, but, but no, that's not laser hands. That's a fire breathing spell. Yeah, but I say it comes out of the hands. <laughs> um, he drinks a little too much and he hates his dad. It's totally stupid. Uh, Fable system, it's not near as mechanically intense the the you just you make your character and yeah yeah, there's some dice assigned to it but it's one of those things that can be really rewarding at the right time with the right group but like i i I, it can be very unapproachable yeah (laughs) (laughs) i already have like all of star trek in my head Mm -hmm. um anyway so where can people find this kickstarter uh well uh it'll be wrapped up by the time that uh this goes live yeah, but well, uh, remind that oh yeah i mean like i can hand you i could uh the the page should still link to where you can just buy the book once the book is oh, done so i'll give you the you link go. anyway <laughs> yeah, please do please do sir uh but yeah uh that's been one of the main things i've been working on anyways now, do you are you the director of an or do you direct everybody give line reads and stuff uh i would describe fable as being the director and i'm more of the producer in this case um we we went back and forth on who gets what title a lot with that um 
Fables kind of got final say on the sound design. And uh, if I, we do have other actors, like I will handle it sometimes, but if it's a really intensive bit, um, then we'll have Fable come in and Discord and guide. Sure. Um, whereas I'm more just like getting everyone together, getting the things together, getting the appropriate licenses, getting, yeah. And it not everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at the very least, Fable's definitely the sound director, I would say. And, uh, sure. I, um, let's take it up to March of 2020. What hmm. was March of 2020 like for you guys? Ah, so that was the start of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, I had to actually like look at a calendar real quick and be like, oh yeah, it was 2020. Oh, that was a lot longer ago Years. than I want to admit. 24 uh, months, almost. Uh, so fun fact, uh, I was out of town when it hit the US. <laughs> like, oh. seriously. I I was on a- Like overseas? Uh, at, well, no, I, I was I was in America. I was in a, at a family reunion in Florida as they were starting to tell, as states were completely like shutting down, like airports oh. no longer flying. And I got back just in time. Uh, so, so we had a friend, right? Like Indianapolis shut down the 15th of March, about there, right? That mm-hmm. Friday. And we had a friend who left on Monday because we actually hosted a game night at our, our, our favorite bar, me and my wife. And our friend was there and then she left for a plane ride to Florida and then the world shut down and she's showing us plane. She's showing us uh, pictures of the airports and they're just wall to wall people. Like it's like a Mm -hmm. kiss concert. You've got no space. You're right up against someone's mouth as they breathe into you. Yeah. How was that? Uh, um, you know, I was more at that time, I was more just focused on getting back to Seattle because like if I got home, I could figure it out. Right. Um, yeah. but, like if I was suddenly stuck in Florida, keep in mind, I still had my day job at this time. I'm like, what, am I just going to road trip back? I'm literally on the opposite end of the country right now. Totally. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, the, the thing, main thing I remember is like, we're at, at frankly, this like deserted place in florida at the time and just sort of watching the news as like it it goes from being this thing that everyone's kind of cautious about to being like oh no this is actually like this is really bad guys oh look it's the stand yeah and um there was definitely a a, just a level of dread that started to wash over the whole thing (laughs) well i mean we i remember we had like we were supposed to go to uh, uh, South Carolina on a vacation with the family, mm-hmm. like the la- you know, from the 28th of March to like the 5th of April. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like early March, I'm like, Oh, Italy's closed. Like the last time Italy was this locked down, the Nazis were marching across Europe. And I'm like, we're not going to South Carolina. So I pulled the plug. I'm like, we get refunds on the tickets or, or don't refund us. That's fine. I'll just stay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you guys had pretty long, you guys had longer shelter and order shelter at home orders in the rest of the country. Yeah. We're, uh, we're even, I'd say, so I, I did visit Indiana during um, the holidays. I, I took a chance and I, I wanted to see my family. I don't know what to tell of course. you. Um, and <laughs> Oh boy, like the difference between Seattle and there is 
stark uh, oh, so. like we're, we're all still like very heavily wearing masks uh mm -hmm. entering any place of business uh being around any amount of people it's like we're doing some events here and there but they're usually pretty limited and if a new variant pops up it's that's all canceled um shut it down <laughs> yeah uh i mean we still take it very seriously and i i do think that's kind of the proper way to go about it i i have lots of family who have gotten it and i mean I think I think about a lot. It's like, uh, I feel kind of betrayed by like a direction even the government has started to take of just like, oh, well, everyone's going to get it now. So just like uh, get your vaccine or I guess you're dead. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm chronically ill and I am healthy enough to get the vaccine, but there's a lot of people who are chronically ill that cannot. And not only is that approach essentially sentencing them to death in the way it's being worded yeah but even if they do stay inside say someone needs to go in for an operation they it's can't like a life sentence anymore house. yeah like because the hospitals are still just so packed and mm. very limited so yeah it's, this is not the, the this approach that people have been taking about like oh you know what I don't need the vaccine. It'll be fine. We're going to do herd immunity. It's just, it is actually killing people. That's, <laughs> I, I want you to be aware. <laughs> I, 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 a hundred percent agree with you. Um, very simple. Like, so no, I, I understand the discomfort. I mean, when in the, in the beginning, in the like January, February, early March, like really until that trip mm -hmm. when like it was really starting to hit. I was trying to take it lightly. I was trying to be like, it's just a bad flu, you know, just like yeah. wash your hands, stay apart if you need to, like do do everything you can. Like I, I was I was in that mindset, but there's mm. a certain point where you need to get your head out of your ass. Yeah. And we hit that point <laughs> very early on, in fact. And you can yeah. even see like uh, just the, the, one of the biggest things is like the fact that it got politicized, right? Like it should not have ever been a Republican Democrat thing, but it became a Republican Democrat thing. I had and, someone tell me, uh, you think like they do. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I, sure, and it wasn't like funny. a pronoun thing. It wasn't out of you know, politeness. It was, uh, you can see, you can see what they think of them, you know? <laughs> so um, it's and, just, and yeah it's i have this i'm kind of trying to noodle at the theory or at the cause that's making us not talk to each other right because mm -hmm. and i could be totally wrong here but kind of my current theory working theory is this where sort of like conservatives think more on a micro scale right pull yourself up by your bootstraps you're on your own you know you got to solve your own problems and all that and yes Sometimes, right? Liberals seem to be more macro, you know, let's fix systemic racism. Um, you know, why are all the poor people starving in the streets or, you know, whatever, right? Hey, maybe let's have health care for all that sort of thing, right? And it's, it's not either or for me. I'm like, oh, it's probably yes and, right? Because if you have groups that kind of seem to do better, at specific aspects of society, we should get those two crazy kids together and maybe like find a solution that everyone doesn't hate, mm -hmm. you know? And so you've got, 
and admittedly so you have some on the left that go a little authoritarian with things with you know some silly lockdowns and stuff and then you have people on the right that are so individualistic that how dare you ask me to wear a mask and i'm not getting vaccinated because that's poison and i understand the science and joe rogan said so and <laughs> you know and fauci's the devil and joe biden no, is but- a marxist no he's not he's bought by corporations biden oh, yeah. a marxist <laughs> uh, oh man he's like trump but nicer guys he's like alzheimer's trump that's all he is he's not a marxist he's a placeholder president (laughs) i i i don't know how to tell a lot of people this but america doesn't even actually have an organized left all the democrats are actually just moderate on like very slightly to the right there's just more people of color yeah (laughs) like Yeah, you know, I can I can name maybe three Democrats who I would actually consider left. <laughs> you know, and like that just makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I so I I grew up I grew up conservative. I, I yeah. grew up Republican, and there was sort of a well, weirdly, the point I reached was around college, late college. I kind of looked at, I actually started looking at politics, and I kind of realized that. So how my parents had described the Republican Party to me made sense and there were a lot of virtues. And I kind of realized that that's not what it was anymore. And shell game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I simple fact is like, I, I really wasn't paying attention. And like, if I say I wasn't old enough, like I, 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 I that might imply something different than what I mean in that like I wasn't mature enough to really care to really analyze what was going on specifically during like the early Obama era mm-hmm. um but what I do kind of remember is like there being steps towards one way and like so Obama trying to cross the aisle and then the Republicans kind of just like moving the aisle back one step yeah um and I do remember some things very vividly I remember like burning obama effigies after the election and like shit like that yeah which uh that too which kind of fucked up when when trump was elected i remember a lot of people who like were pro-trump being all like oh look at how badly the democrats are taking this we didn't act this way when obama was elected." i'm like yes you did (laughs) <laughs> like i don't get me wrong like there was some really like vile stuff that a lot of you know left-wing people did you know about trump imagery and i absolutely like it's uh, yeah i i just like no there there was some awful stuff yeah but it wasn't anything any different than what i saw when obama was elected <laughs> it and i'm like oh okay so you're, you're kind of and maybe i'm just 35 and coming online finally i don't know but i'm looking at a lot of stuff i'm like if it's like if it gets real culture worry like the vaccine did like like all that stuff did like i'm out you know mm-hmm. like it's because it, it's this it feels like the system is the 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 two-party oligarchy ran you know it's a hydra beast with like one body and mm-hmm. it's designed to you know eileen republican you lead democrat whatever hypothetically and it's designed for if you say specific buzzwords, those buzzwords are designed to get me mad. Like, oh, I'm going to own the Dems and, you know, I'm going to trigger that snowflake and make him all mad. And then, you know, whatever the liberal version of that is. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm like, oh, I, I you can kind of smell the bullshit now, 
you know, mm-hmm. you become very skeptical of it. You know, the vaccine shouldn't have been politicized, but I think a lot of it was as a overall, we had it really good as a nation, right? In the aggregate at, at a 350 million person viewpoint, right? Not to say there aren't problems and we'll get into that with 2020, mm-hmm. but pre 2020, for the most part, people had it pretty good. And then they had a sacrifice. They had restrictions. There were shortages. People couldn't work. You know, lives were interrupted. You had people were miserable for months. And we weren't really used to that. It was a combat deployment, man. We've all been on an Iraq deployment for two years. <laughs> I've done this already. And I fucking hated it the first time. <laughs> Again, like with the, the vaccine even being politicized at all. I mean, like, it's not, we're not talking about how much you should tax cigarettes like yeah. that's sort of what i like that's what politics is supposed to be politics is supposed to be things on the scale of how much are you supposed to tax cigarettes yeah. it's not supposed to be hmm maybe we should just kill 10 percent of our population just let it burn right i, yeah, I someone try to tell me i'll just do herd immunity i'm like that doesn't count the after effects of an overwhelmed healthcare system kind of what we're seeing now yeah. Right in, in late January of 2022. And because like if you've got military nurses, doctors, corpsmen, medics, staffing civilian hospitals, because we've just burned through all the civilian workforce, that's not a long-term solution. <laughs> that's a short-term stopgap to keep the game going. And for me, the people that felt like they could at least try (laughs) you know you don't gotta invent the vaccine you don't gotta fucking go be a nurse maybe you know do church online or you know maybe go to instacart i don't know something try you know i mean like the least you could do is not like walk into a grocery store and scream open-faced spitting saliva on the poor cashier who's just telling you that you're not allowed in without a mask because it's a law i'm i'm somewhat taking it from republican democrat and going to move over to socialism capitalism here for a second punch it chewy um as a meme i'm kind of down with capitalism socialism all the way ha 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 that's not actually like how i actually think um life is more complicated than oh yeah those those two words socialism and capitalism are tools yeah for constructing a society yeah and you need both of them and you need to be flexible with how much you use of each um a lot of our culture as a country right now is treating those forces diametrically opposed and again maybe the meme isn't helping with that maybe that's something about myself i need to re-examine uh i the reason why i go that route is because we have too much capitalism and not enough socialism right now it's a little society that we need yeah um i get with you on that man like yeah i like you look at it like like oh we sent people money we've done that already like yeah and you know if if the bajillionaires you know can get an unlimited faucet of money into the stock market and you know into like steak and shake and harvard and 
you know, and thankfully they sent the peasants $3,000 over a year and a half. God bless them. Stapled to a, uh, a tied, tied to a balloon. <laughs> if you don't find it in three months, the balloon gets to keep the money. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Signed, go fuck yourself. <laughs> this is America. I hope you paid attention. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, the pandemic's really fucking opened my eyes to a lot of shit and made me kind of shift my thinking like oh we could do a lot of things and like i've talked to people and you know like if you look at america through the prism of like an empire right Mm. which on paper we're a constitutional republic and sure kind of you know in places locally locally definitely there's america's a lot closer to an empire than i think of a lot of people want to believe um yeah i've kind of come to terms with that Mm -hmm. if that makes sense like yeah me too uh i i do believe in america yeah or rather i believe in what america could be at its best i think we're very capable of being what we say we are yeah (laughs) it's um at its best we've made miracles at its best we made the vaccine you know we man the moon we stopped the nazis you know we've done a lot of things and i say empire so i'm like you know like like oh you know we've got a lot of bases in a lot of places right <laughs> like uh, got- several territories that aren't technically america that are <laughs> belong to us <laughs> well <laughs> six and one half a dozen the other it's who's got (laughs) um and that's not to say you know i'm very proud of the service i did and the and the things that i helped accomplish and the lives i got to save Mm. uh, especially during the war but and i worked in an air-conditioned hospital the whole time so i didn't save private ryan or anything but also too i talked to a friend of mine doesn't need to be theatrical um I talked to a friend about the idea of empire now, like we're an empire and all that jazz. And he says, I said, Hey, you know, we could probably find a way to pay for like a baseline of healthcare for people. Right. Mm -hmm. To where like, I also too wonder if, if there's a piece of the vaccine skepticism that comes from, I haven't seen a doctor in 15 years. Why would I go to one now? Because I can't afford one. Um, like we can we could probably scale back the overseas adventures a little bit and or just get rid of pennies and nickels and then give everybody like oh you get a checkup every year right it's nothing sexy but it's somebody who went to doctoring school is going to look at you once a year right so that way you know it'll like breast exams for cancer or, you know, whatever, you know? And they said, ah, but you know, it's, he quoted Richard Nixon. (laughs) He said, it's either beans or it's bullets. It's not both. I'm like, well, we've been doing bullets for a minute and I don't think it's working. And speaking, I used to be an arm of the overseas adventure, right? We've been doing bullets for a minute. We could probably spend the bullet money a little bit wiser, right? I'm not saying we get rid of the military. Clearly, it's necessary. And clearly, a lot of our overseas positions are necessary. But maybe we can one also... less jet plane this year. 
I mean, like, come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, we're, we're making tanks for, you know, generals that don't want them. You know, it's, it's, and I'm sorry to bring it back to the whole capitalism thing, but it's because the tank making people want more business. Oh yeah. No, I don't even think it's necessarily that we need to shave money off of the budget to help people. There's money out there that America is entitled to. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Seattle rant. There is this thing that, uh, has been, uh, colloquially referred to as the head tax. It was this thing Seattle tried to set up where mm. essentially employers would pay employment tax uh, rather than it being like charged to the employee. So you, it's, you work for a day job, you get your paycheck. A chunk of that goes to tax, right? Mm. Um, Seattle doesn't have that. Uh, uh, Washington doesn't have that. Uh, there's only the, the federal employment tax that comes out of your paycheck. You guys don't have local sales tax? Or we local, have sales tax. Local employment it's, taxes? It's, yeah, no, no employment taxes, just sales tax. Wow. Um, so uh, Washington's budget does hurt from this, so they propose this, the the head tax, which is, again, uh, it's the employer pays taxes based on how many employees it has. Sure. Uh, again, all that really is is the company playing paying employment tax rather than it coming out of the individual side. Um, now Amazon. <laughs> Didn't like this idea. No. Uh, and big whole smear campaign. And suddenly you just hear all these news programs going like, oh, oh my God, what, Washington's going to charge employers for hiring people. How, how are people going to find jobs? Not really realizing that it doesn't affect the need for labor. Amazon can hire to afford to hire as many people as it chooses or doesn't choose to mm-hmm. it's just finding every like opportunity to weasel out of paying more money and yeah. before long the head talks got repealed because enough people threw a fit about it and i am so baffled by that because as far as i have my last look, Amazon still doesn't pay a drip of taxes. No. Jeff Bezos doesn't pay a drip of taxes. And it's... No. <laughs> <sighs> Spend a lot of time thinking about the nature of tribalism, right? In our current society where, you know, you can have people that condemned the violent riots that happened, right? Like I'm a big believer in, hey violent riots where you know needless pain carnage suffering happens is bad right and but also you know they were seemed to want to downplay what happened on january 6th and they're like oh it was just a guy that tore i'm like they hate they came for the head of the vice president like they chanted hang mike pence and they brought a fucking noose guys like there are there are records of discord conversations very specifically describing that they wanted to kill people <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> you know, this wasn't like a fun protest or anything they were and you know i never voted for the guy but also i'm glad he wasn't violently murdered at the same time right like as a human being and the people that and kind of vice versa, right? Like mm-hmm. people that wanted to 
people seem to be excusing political violence that suits their side. And that bothers me. Violence is bad, right? And and chaotic violence. And you could probably speak way more to this because you were right up on it, right? We'll dig into that in a second. And, you know, chaotic violence spreads like a cancer, right? Like a fire. Mm-hmm. And scares the hell out of me, regardless of the reasons behind it. I, I, because it, it's hard to put that genie back in the bottle once it's out. But mm-hmm. speaking of which, you were in Seattle after the protest when or when Floyd was murdered, right? Yeah. And you know, and and and, but I did. There was a lot of things I was unaware of. There's a lot of things that. I've kind of reversed course on, but tell me about your experience in the summer of 2020 in Seattle. Uh, yeah, this is a, it's a tough one. Uh, oh, we're getting deep Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, well, uh, I, I mean, like, so I will say, and I'm pretty comfortable saying this is that I really wasn't out on the streets all that much myself. I okay. kind of played a man in the chair. If you need somewhere to stay, like, Sure. my place i coordinated information a lot yeah. and i talked to people uh, yeah. and that was probably the biggest thing i did was i talked to people and that's heard that's firsthand. what i'm doing now you know yeah <laughs> and that's kind of what we need to do i i yeah. i think i during uh our first attempt at this i mentioned that i don't really like to there's sort of two things is i don't really like to speak on things that i don't know all the sides to and i don't like to get my news from a company I like to get it from people so the big thing people probably remember from Seattle is a significant chunk of uh, protesters ended up occupying a neighborhood in Seattle uh, cool. in Capitol Hill specifically uh, Cal Anderson Park um, it had a couple of names um, both the uh, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone and Capitol Hill Occupied Protest I think the sure. I think the latter was the one they initially they, they eventually settled on um, that happened right after, I believe it was a precinct in Minnesota got burned to the ground. Yeah. Um, I did talk to some people in Minnesota, but I didn't know them personally. Uh, and it definitely has formed my opinions on the countrywide problem. Yeah. Um, but what I can really speak to is Seattle and, um, talk to me about Seattle. Let's keep it real, like nuts and bolts. Yeah. Um, the media was very much describing it as a lawless hellscape. Um, some friends I know who lived in the area said, while that occupied protest was happening, that was the safest they'd felt in the neighborhood. Really? Um, and I think it's very telling to the situation as a whole. Like that's a very small scale thing to think about is like, and an individual who lives in the neighborhood thinks the, the neighborhood is safer when there aren't cops around. A unified thing I heard from a lot of people and also verified through live footage, through footage shown to me by friends. And I, I want to put a pin in that because I do want to connect the difference in footage between the George Floyd riots and the Capitol riot sure. um, in a bit. January 6th, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, most of the protests that happened for the George Floyd riots were intended to be peaceful. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, yes, there was looting. There was breaking into places. There was property damage. 
Um, but you got to keep in mind a lot of that was happening as armed men in full body armor with tanks, with massive electronic sound cannons. Sure. We're marching upon you, throwing explosives and tear gas, which is outlawed, as I understand it, uh, in international war. <laughs> uh, I mean, we use that in the army all the time. Well, <laughs> we train with tear gas. Uh, it floating into your home, though. I just mean, that's from, bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, a friend of a friend lost an eye because a cop did shoot them just straight in the eye with a rubber bullet. Really? Um, That's insane. A uh, There was... I, I can't confirm this directly, but sure. multiple firsthand accounts of a plainclothes officer actively trying to get protesters to throw Molotovs to cause damage to get something going. Really? So the police could have something to move in on, could have an excuse. Um, And sounds really fucked uh, up. Yeah. Um, And it was really scary. (laughs) Yeah. Um, In my case, I am a privileged little pancake. I, I am a straight enough white dude. I had a respectable job at the bank. I wore a suit all the time. Uh, And I had a very fond opinion of the American law enforcement system until these riots happened. Um, You saw the dark side of things. Yeah. Um, The main thing that really got me was, I mean, it was just when the first person I saw brought up the idea of like, maybe we need to abolish the police and come up with something different. Sure. And that was like, hell, Okay, I understand the sentiment. Things are really bad, but that seems uh, a bit drastic. Maybe we don't need to. And then I kind of looked back on every interaction I ever had with a cop in an official capacity, mind you. I have personally met multiple police officers who, or I would say rather than I have met police officers, people who happen to believe police that were lovely people. Mm. Um, but every official interaction I've had with a cop, even me, the most privileged at appearance guy you can imagine, mm. the best they ever were were kind of unhelpful bullies. Like, I worked for a bank. I got straight up robbed. A guy th- said he had a bomb and said he'd just blow me up if I didn't give him money. And... That's insane. When the cops came, they treated it like it was me that was the problem. <laughs> you... Because you didn't want to get blown up by a bomb? Be, I don't even... Like, I, it, like I was interrupting their day. <laughs> like that that's really what it came down to they were so unhelpful that's Um, really shitty uh, another situation there was a homeless guy sleeping on the side of the street uh i didn't call the cop in this place but someone was worried about him so they called the cops to check on him uh by the time my bus got there they were beating him up and throwing him in the back of a police car jesus christ that homeless guy was doing nothing wrong he was just sleeping on the side of the street in a I would say a place that people didn't want to see him, but no, no one there really minded. They just wanted to make sure he was okay. <laughs> he was just in the way. <sighs> and that really sucks. Then you start looking into the histories of how the American police system got formed and like, don't get me wrong. We need a public service to protect people. Sure. Um, I don't Probably think a, a it's... trained one. Like I, it's... Yeah. Mm. A thing we run into in the country that really fucks us up is we look for simple one-size-fits-all solutions for things. Mm-hmm. 
you know, like with that homeless guy, that's probably where like a social worker might have like come in handy. Say, hey, bro, we got a, a place down the street. Let's get you a burger at McDonald's, whatever. You exactly. Know? But at the flip side, there's there are instances where like, oh, look, the Sinaloa cartels are here or, you know, you, there's bad people that need to be shot. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so but maybe if you've got people because I know a lot of cops and they're great guys mm-hmm. and. But also I could see where it's not if you have somebody that's so tuned into the combat aspect of it, they're not going to be all hearts and minds about things. Right. I'm also like an ex soldier. So I kind of, I understand the need and the theory and the doctor behind brute force application to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, granted, we're usually in a different place when we do it, but, um, but also, you know, like you wouldn't send, you wouldn't send an infantry soldier to deal with a non-infantry problem. Like if you have a specific set of people say, Hey, your job is to kill people and blow shit up, go with God, son. And mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to ask him to do your taxes. <laughs> like, that's silly. Mm-hmm. So I do, I do. And while I'm a big fan of the police, I, I could see easily the need for reform and maybe a rethinking of things. And that doesn't mean, you know, I fucking, I, I, I hate the lack of nuance that mm. we can express in this country. We're like, you can say, oh, well, clearly there's mm. an even, even just saying, hey, maybe there's an issue somewhere. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know what the answer is, but you can look at that and say, well, it's probably a problem somewhere. So if there's a problem somewhere, maybe like a reworking of the system might be in order. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to people gravitate toward political movements toward ideologies towards stuff to sometimes right the fringe people the really excited ones to put on the horns and storm the capital those people you know or the you know like you know take your pick whatever political version you want to be a part of a lot of it's because and this is my little pet theory on society which i didn't come up with but Society's full of people that all kind of can conform to a degree, right? Yes, we're all unique individuals made in the loving eyes of our creator, but we wear pants to the office. Everybody wears pants to the office, right? And, you know, you got to wear shoes. (laughs) Mm. Um, So you got to conform to a certain degree for the social contract to work. And when people have a hard time conforming and there's not easy ways for them to conform to any degree to, to have a vested interest in society functioning, you know, you, you put on the horns <laughs> and you, you go run after Nancy Pelosi with a pen or something. And, and, and a lot of that takes it back to socialism, but that doesn't mean we turn into a Marxist hellscape. It means maybe (laughs) we could try literally anything else, right? You know, it's, it's, I, I've kind of had like a similar discussion with people about, you know, like, like gun violence, right? I'm a big gun guy. I also kind of think, Hey, 
a lot of people are getting shot in places where they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. So maybe even just looking at the problem and seeing that there's something wrong, you know, you could say, oh, there's a lot of people that aren't quite fitting into society the way they should. You know, people don't have health care. Right. But they sure do love it when President Trump gets up there and ah, he's going to own the libs and, you know, because they get distracted. Right. A lot of it's, you know, they, they, they glob onto fucking stories to explain the misery of their lives. Right. I remember being poor and impoverished and, you know, at rock bottom and, you know, at, and I did that, you know, I never went to like a meeting, but I went to, I watched some fun YouTube videos that told me why I was right. And everyone else is wrong and gave me someone to blame, you know, I never went to a meeting, never, I just, I was miserable at rock bottom and I was looking for someone to blame and I found and they said, it's them, it's their fault, you know, and that fits both sides. And when someone says, hey, maybe we can just like do like we could just change a little bit. Right. Maybe we could. It's not working for a big segment of the population. African-Americans are like 14 percent or something. Right. Clearly, there's an issue there. <laughs> Something's not working for them. They're not assimilating into the social contract. Right. There is not. A, there aren't enough avenues for conformity for them. So. And, and, and apparently some cops are just flat out murdering them in broad daylight and looking at people while they do it. And so you get, I never excuse violence, right? Especially mass chaotic violence, especially, you know, but you, you try to understand it. So it never happens again. Right. And I can, I can understand it best from the sort of poor conservative side. Right. I get why they think like that. I've been that guy. Right. Mm. Ten years ago, I would have been that guy. You know, I would have been at a Trump rally, you know, <laughs> and, and and I don't know. I like I've been to third world countries. Right. And America is a fantasy. You know, it's a fantasy we all agree on. <laughs> or enough people agree on that it makes lots of money and if enough people don't have access to that fantasy the game falls apart right and, and i'm looking at this from like large thirty thousand feet views but i could see where you know african-americans don't feel like they have a stake in the game because the game is rigged against them right i could see where poor white people feel the same way and so they gravitate toward fringe ideologies. You know, I'm not saying black people do that, but I'm saying there's people on fringe ideologies and that's why they do it. I, uh, I am reminded kind of of a conversation I had with a guy I used to work with who's very conservative minded. And yeah. um, uh, I worked with him back when, oh, uh, Colin Kaepernick, Kaepernick, a uh, football player. The football he, guy who kneeled, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, took a kneel. Wasn't um, that a big deal? <laughs> yeah. See, that's sort of the thing. That's the most peaceful <laughs> form of protest. And a lot of conservatives went ape shit. And then eventually that bill comes due. The yeah. riots happen. Yeah. And those same conservatives 
are like, oh, why didn't you try and protest peacefully? Sure. And to this guy's credit, I did, because again, like I, I pointed out directly the Copernicus thing. Yeah. And he actually like took that to heart and kind of came back the next day and was like, okay, you know, you kind of have a point there. Yeah. And that's sort of the, like, that was foreseen. Uh, like, like we, we could have addressed that problem a lot sooner we don't address things till they become near catastrophic yeah. in this country like like we're just now sending out covid tests to people mm-hmm. it's two years in and we just got a box in the mail i haven't <laughs> um, even gotten mine yet oh shit well you know <laughs> usps works better in midwest i don't know what to tell you um uh, there's i do want to before i forget and please do please do this might be connected to the last one um the difference in footage between the yes. um, the January riot and uh, in the Capitol and the George Floyd riots, uh, BLM protesters know how to protest. Yeah. They were all wearing masks. They were uh, there's almost no footage out there showing visible faces because police absolutely will come round you up if your face is yeah. uh, on a lot of protest footage. Mm-hmm. Um, License plates of cars were hidden if it was a, a protester's car. Um, and there was a whole logistics response division all throughout social media that wasn't like, oh, we're going to burn down this building. It was like, here's a first stage station. Here's where we're handing out water. Here's like, like if you're dealing with tear gas burns, this is what you do. Like all this sort of advice going around. Uh, and when the January riot uh, was going on, uh, I took a very, very miss... It was a bad idea to go on conservative Twitter, but it was kind of funny to see how disorganized and not doing those things they were. (laughs) There were tons of face footage, no plan, (laughs) very clearly. Um, Or should I say a plan, but it was very much a, okay, step one, raid the capital. Step two, Step three, profit. Like, <laughs> Step uh, two, kill Mike Pence. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just the the it was it was a difference between like fighting against the law because of an unjust law and fighting against the law because you just didn't like it. Like that that really the, those two vibes were really strong on both sides it's not even they didn't like i mean some of us they didn't like it the people mm-hmm. up top didn't like it the people mm-hmm. on the bottom the foot soldiers the cannon fodder they got duped they they were sold a lie they wanted to believe in right mm-hmm. and it goes back to you know it's not you know it's never the successful people that do shit like that right like mm-hmm. You know, the successful people get vaccinated and they, you know, pay taxes and, you know, they, they, they buy into the social contract. Right. And this doesn't excuse their behavior, but it's, it's an effort to understand why it happened. Cause that could have been a real bad day. Yeah. And so, and there's a, there's a part of me that's it's, and and it's easy I'm not saying you are, but I've heard people, you know, like just want to dismiss it as, oh, they're evildoers and some of them, but not all of them, not most of them. A lot of them 
a lot of them they got caught up in a false religion you know like QAnon is strong right i'm i'm sure you've got a few people in your circle that have said things like you know i think the election was stolen i had people when i said to them i didn't think the election was stolen they said you don't think the election was stolen like i had betrayed them <laughs> like it's and the person i'm talking about is 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 poor and just at the fucking bottom right and and again like i i don't ever excuse mob violence for any reason but i think it's important to understand why it happens right like like with the BML, BLM stuff, I understand why it happens. I don't excuse mob violence. And I don't excuse what happened in the Capitol. They try to kill half the chain of succession, right? Because, you know, there's nuclear codes involved in the Senate. <laughs> like things get real, real fast on a global scale. But, you know, they, like Trump had a, golden idol made out of himself in mar-a-lago right it kind of tells you everything that happened there and and the people i'm talking about that i know personally weren't that deep but also uh you know i've turned off marjorie taylor green off the radio at their house right so it's and that's not a small fraction of people it's a it is a terrifyingly large segment of the country and i'm so desperate to understand them because i'm like oh maybe i can get them back if i can help bring them back to the you know <laughs> like in my head i'm conservative but then i hear them talk and i'm like what the fuck are you what jewish space lasers what are you talking about anyway not to, yeah not not to <laughs> not to plug my podcast anachronistic please do uh yeah, you, you have listened to episode eight, seven, eight, eight at this point, correct? I, the, I'm up to whatever is your okay. most current thing. Uh, that one is very focused on, I mean, like, I I was definitely referring to the BLM riots I, when I wrote that. Um, I, I heard some stories overlap from the radio show. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah, um, that was, I was very much pulling from that when I did yeah. that. Um, and... <sighs> There's a couple of things that like I touched like I, I kind of wanted to touch on with that is first off, like a question did come up in the audience before that episode came out. I was like, oh, does anachronistic take place in our world? Or is it you know, like what, what's the, the the difference? And the world Neil ends up in in that those two episodes is still not our world. It's a different world still. Um the worst timeline, part one and two. <laughs> <laughs> um what I sort of tried to do is like using the rules of my world i tried to come up with my own reason to explain how this has happened um because i and this has happened to me before is where like i i someone i trust and respect with my life like I, i put them on a pedestal to the point where it just wasn't healthy even frankly yeah. believed something so so completely different than i did yep um Been there. and at one point i just sort of had to and 
what I'm referring to is is not like uh, political. This is a religious difference, I should say. Sure. And I sort of had to find a way to deal with that in that not only was what they believed very different from what I believed, but sure. their answer gave them peace and my answer gave me peace. Mm-hmm. And if either of us was right, it would destroy the other one. <laughs> And at a certain point, you just have to kind of like hold those two truths in your head yeah. and and just accept that like we have different truths. The problem kind of comes is when someone's truth is actively dangerous to people around them and society at large. Yeah. Uh, and how I sort of deal with this in anachronistic is no like these two factions of people are experiencing completely different realities they they are in the same physical space but they are seeing two different things and to a certain extent that like that's the only thing that can make sense to me for some of these like like you're you're just we're not seeing the same information nope (laughs) i (sighs) Like lately, I don't really have the answer for it. I just kind of taken a step back and I don't know for a season, I suppose, and just saying, Oh, I'm going to be skeptical of most things. And it's almost like people lost their religion in a lot of ways. And they were found again with their politics. That's the right and the left. Like mm-hmm. the right, still like nominally Christian, kind of. Fucking boy, do they sure love going to war? <laughs> like, yeah, you lost your religion and you found a new one that gives you an enemy and simple answers to complicated questions. And oh, it's their fault. And you know, it's, I mean, like, it's, you, you bring that up, and it does historically track. I mean, that's how. I mean, like, a lot of really big atrocities in history have been done in the name of religion. And I'm yeah. not saying that, like to to even as a uh, uh to disparage the idea of religion it's oh merely, i'm a deeply christian man yeah well, yeah i'm just merely the the people in control use that faith yeah. uh in a scary way yeah and i um yeah fuck i had a thing this is really profound and smart too like i was gonna solve all the world's problems no i I mean, I guess we solved racism, so that's good. Mm-hmm. But no. Um, now we just need to handle gender, and I think we'll be great. Yeah, well, good luck with that. <laughs> I, you know, the I, I, I do see some promising things where guys are like, hey, yeah, you, you know, it, it's, it's not that masculinity is in the absence of feelings. Mm. Right, and... and, and Cause like you, you get fed that story when you're a kid, especially in the Midwest, mm-hmm. it's more like, you know, um, let's take a real generic example, right? You got a man and woman, man and wife. There's a bump in the night. She's not going to go look and see what it is <laughs> as a man. You're probably stronger or at the very least, you know, you get to die first. And then she tells the story of your death to her next family. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's, and I learned this as an army medic where like, you know, you've got 
like there was a day I had where uh, it was a guy is a fat guy passed out in the heat. Right. Mm-hmm. Not that big a deal. I mean, it's not, no one got shot and everyone's like, Oh my God, save him, please. And I have a crowd of people screaming to me to save this guy. And so I had to tune this guy out. I had to, you know, you can't think during the crisis, mm-hmm. you have to act and then, but you should probably process things after the crisis once and that applies for men and women, but we're talking about masculinity in general. So that seems to be a vein of masculinity that's making a comeback. Cause like this idea of like, Oh, you compartmentalize it. You go on, you don't deal with it. That's short-term coping mechanisms for a combat zone. That's what we were taught before deployment. Yes, that works, but also you should probably see a therapist. If you saw someone get shot and and, and and it's a little, and maybe I'm just looking for that. So the algorithm's giving me what I want. You know, I'm looking for hope. So maybe, you know, Google's giving it to me. But it's, I'm, I'm hopeful because I think there is a place for masculinity where men can, you know, provide and protect for their families and stuff. You know, if, if your family is set up in that sort of heteronormative way. And, but... I'm excited to have sons so I can say, hey, these are what emotions are. We're not going to deal with them. We'll talk about them tomorrow, right? We'll, we'll, we'll parcel all this out as long as you want to talk. But right now we've got some fires to put out, you know, and I'm excited for that. What are your thoughts there? Uh, actually, I, I'm kind of glad we get to have this talk. I uh, kind of wanted to, during our first thing, because uh, some of the early uh, episodes of your podcast where you were talking about being deployed you did touch on masculinity a lot and it's something i think about a lot of like yeah. i i am not i do not fit the mold uh of what i was raised to believe a a man was sure. uh i am a skinny guy i am very very emotional sure um and that said i i do pretty strongly identify as being male um and i i have considered my gender very thoroughly i have a lot of transgender friends and and uh non-binary friends and i sort of at like from meeting them and realizing eventually that like the idea of gender was a lot bigger than what i was raised to believe i was like i do kind of think that everyone should actually take a moment and really like understand what their gender means to them uh not because you might realize it doesn't fit although that might be the case it's just like you should perform your gender with intent if it's what you believe that's self-reflection's the case. good thing yeah and to that end like i don't really like what masculinity is as i was taught yeah. when i was raised it but i do like there is a place for it and there's lessons it can teach people not just men but like yeah. There, there's there's lessons on self-reliance and um determination and um healthy ways to feel powerful um yeah. that that come from like that that are inherently sort of taught to men that are in the mess of traits that our society has deemed are masculine and yeah. i i 
do kind of see it as a pet project <laughs> of of my life to eventually scrape out a lot of the toxic stuff that I was taught and try and create a new like idea of what masculinity is that is not toxic that is not um you can take what works and then discard what doesn't yeah you know Um, it's a guideline it's not a suicide pact yeah um this is like so this is kind of a hard thing to talk about and i was gonna leave it in your hands for like podcast worthy stuff but like i mean we're on hour four right now so (laughs) please do though this Uh, is good this is good uh i am this is a really hard one for me sorry i am very supportive of feminism but i don't think i can call myself a feminist because that's not the fight i'm focused on okay i and i don't think they want me in their club anyways (laughs) (laughs) whether whatever my various feminist friends say I don't really feel welcome in those spaces and I am at peace with that. Yeah. I am more concerned with making sure doing what I can for the identity I identify as and try and make it a healthy place so that women feel safe so that non-binary people feel safe so that like I I want to build a better masculinity that like that that works with the feminist movement essentially. <laughs> Does that make sense? It does. I mean, it's so the phrase feminist movement's a little too broad for me to, qu- you That's know, it's, and, and I get why you're kind of walking a little soft. I understand. Um, sometimes people get a little excited uh, if you say the wrong thing and they get a little mad yeah. on the internet. And it's like, I, and it's very hard to like communicate my intentions. And it, there's another thing is that like, I also, when I was first thinking about this and first really considering my gender, that was pre-Trump election. Mm-hmm. And I like, I thought we were here on the like gender equality thing. And not going to lie, when Trump got elected, I'm like, oh, we're not here. We're, we're, <laughs> we're here. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> not the time to pick this fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if your feminism is out of sense of, you know, sincerity, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, if you see a problem that's, a blind spot for the people he pointed out that's great you know much like you know if your masculinity or femininity or whatever you know becomes a vehicle for your own narcissism and your narcissism uh is used to build yourself up and tear people down and in the tearing down of people you know you proclaim certain ideals but then you really just tear people down to get to feel good about it. So, well, you know, that's. That's a, that's a thing you mentioned. Cause I think one of the ideas I feel about privilege in general is rather than like, as a general rule, mm-hmm. I don't want to take away people's privilege. I want to bring everyone up to the same level of privilege as a privileged person. Like sure. I, I, I had many opportunities. I want everyone to have those opportunities. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily want to, I, I don't think. You could take the that, buzzword out of it and just say, you want everyone to have a good life. I do. Oh, yeah. and I want everyone to have a fair shot at life. Yeah. Um, a thing that the left went wrong on was that with the idea of white privilege, 
they went real hard on the white and kind of left the money aspect out of it because mm-hmm. when you're on the bottom uh and people tell you how privileged you are but you just got back from the bread line because the food stamps went at ran out you already stopped paying attention because you already feel like a fucking loser and you don't know why you're a loser but you know you are right and you know that everyone looks down at you because you're trash and so yeah. there is a whole segment of the population that if they fine-tune that message just a hair right <laughs> they'd really reach a lot of people that would probably be pretty like oh yeah life's hard because they don't know life can be anything else they think oh of course life's like this and why wouldn't there be a crack house across the street and you know like like i went to visit a family member once and they didn't know i was coming and there was a loaded shotgun pointed at me right that's sobering mm-hmm. <laughs> and for the next two years after that i walked in i'm like hey it's me don't shoot <laughs> you know because you know it you don't there's, Go on. there's an unfortunate aspect to this and this goes to my rah, rah, anti-capitalism blah, blah, blah. sure um <laughs> the people in power really don't want that message getting out because the finger <laughs> starts to get pointed at them yeah and unfortunate for everyone the people in power are the people disseminating most information these days yeah and and so that's why like i don't know i'm kind of open to listening to people's philosophies and stuff and i don't really i listen i give everybody kind of a fair hearing Mm -hmm. you know and if anyone's like a real true believer except for the lord jesus christ if everyone's a real true believer in something uh i get real like suspicious and i'm like oh you know because like you know like for instance Right. I went down a rabbit hole once mm-hmm. uh, called the men's rights movement section of YouTube, we'll say. And, you know, they start off with ideas that kind of make sense. Like, ah, oh, well, you know, uh, custody hearings disproportionately benefit the women over the man. Right. I've Low been level- down the same rabbit hole. <laughs> there you go. You've been down there before. You know just how fucking weird it gets, how fast it gets, and how angry it is. And that's honestly like something I am most upset about is because there isn't really a there there isn't a movement equivalent to feminism for men because anytime something even almost comes up, it gets co-opted by the worst people. Mm-hmm. Just absolute nut jobs. How much Milo <laughs> Yiannopoulos did you listen to? Uh not uh not much of him actually uh he actually more than i, I wish i was, had that guy i think no maybe it wasn't him okay uh don't mean to take us on another journey but you might find this really interesting i have coined something i call the Newbridge test the what now the Newbridge test named after myself because i have a bit of an ego i like it uh whenever you're offended by something take what you heard and replace all the signifiers in the statement mm-hmm. and then see if you feel the same about that statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just really think about how you feel because 
if you feel the same way, if you're still offended by it, it's probably the thing that was said is awful. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't feel the same, that might be a thing in your philosophy and inconsistency, and you need to figure out what that is and understand it, not necessarily change your philosophy, but like, think about why you have it. Um, uh, An example of this uh, was a song I really like called uh, Grown Men Cry by Amanda Palmer. And when I first heard it, uh, I thought, oh, great, she's just making fun of men showing emotion again. Uh, that, 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 not enough about that, uh, really negatively. And, but that didn't make sense because I know Amanda Palmer and I know that she's like actually very like good about that sort of thing. And so I did this thing, and the song wasn't as catchy when you say grown women cry, but oh no, this is just about a f- asshole who like, uh, thinks the whole world's circling around him and it's just you know like it, it, the the phrase grown men cry is is much more of a lyrical choice rather than a statement about men <laughs> does that a make sense the, yeah a lot of the times something happens something bothers you you know you're hiding you're projecting something right or like i don't know it's but uh, fuck i had a good thing uh, another version of this was um, there was a uh, alt-right neo-Nazi who made oh. a statement and like fun, Milo. <laughs> yeah, uh, this might, I think this was the guy actually who said this. I can't remember the actual statement, but he was saying some really, really awful about black people. And oh. fun, I took the statement and replaced it all with Nazis yeah. and it still kind of sucked. It was still kind of a very awful thing to say yeah. and that's what i like i i think that test saved me from going down that particular i like level. it i like it <sighs> yeah i know a lot of mine was the you know it was the the feminism is cancer and all that jazz and you know and i, I noticed yeah i i noticed the corollary um the further i got up from rock bottom uh the less the anger and the rage that people were selling made sense and then I'm like, oh, what's Ben Shapiro got to say? He seems less caustic. And then as I got more and more kind of successful, like successful, I'm middle class, right? <laughs> I'm just not a peasant anymore. Mm-hmm. And the more I, I kind of got to eat every other week. What's that? <laughs> I can afford a chicken every other week. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Sometimes too now. Mm. Um, it's double income, man. It's awesome. Nice. Um, the more I got to away from rock bottom the more i kind of stopped listening to you know people trying to sell me anger right Mm -hmm. it's kind of it's kind of like your test like like oh is he trying to sell me what's he selling me oh it's Mm -hmm. anger you know or or or, you know like like take it back to january 6th they never flat out said, hey, grab that noose and hang the vice president. They said, oh, we're going to have a trial by combat. And we got our very good friend, Mr. Mike Pence over here. And, and I'm like, you've got a frothing fucking. Oh, God, sorry. I'm, I'm so, I'm so disappointed in the Republican Party and conservatives in general. And I, I feel so fucking betrayed by them. And. Yeah, I uh, get it. <laughs> like, you know, like. Like I'm a pro-life guy, but also I'm like, oh, we can have like universal basic income and universal health care. And, you know, if you're going to have one side of it, 
we could probably do the other side of it, right? Because I'm because I've I've heard the liberal argument on that. I'm like, oh well, you know, there's so much going on that you know you you, you're in pop people are impoverished. Like, oh well, okay, if that's the solution, if that's the compromise that everyone doesn't fucking hate, right? Or at least if that if that's a step in a better, safer, you know you know, more Christ-like direction, well then fuck, let's do it, Mm -hmm. you know, but like, there's not any fucking room for nuance like that anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, you have to join a team, wear a jersey, and then, oh, you're against my jersey. And Anyway, sir, I think I heard my wife walking around back there, so I think it's time for me to wrap this up. Do you have any closing thoughts? Um, Be kind to one another. (laughs) I mean, we solved all the world's problems. Yeah. And I, I don't mean, even have a pint. I, I, I do kind of have one. Uh, I'm actually going to... Radical empathy. Radical you've got to, empathy. You've got to forgive and try and understand everyone if you want any of these problems to be solved. And yes, I mean everyone. Even not... It, if you committed a crime, then, you know, you get punished or whatever. But like, if you believe something that was bad, well, gosh, everyone did that. Like I, you know, there's another voice that has a lot of good thoughts. And some of his thoughts are on the wrong side of history. We'll say uh, Jordan Peterson, who says that if you talk to, if you meet somebody, assume they know something you don't. And then, keep talking to them i like to break it down to the derwin principle where uh, assume you're wrong in all things all the time you'll never so- assume you know what you're doing because you're doing it wrong <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> assume you don't know anything you're probably right maybe you'll be incorrect and you'll actually know something paradoxically speaking <laughs> you know and maybe you'll know one thing and holy shit, you know something. That's so rare. <laughs> you know it to be true. And there's a lot of it where I'm talking about this with my wife. And, and I have a really easy time talking to you. So I'm having trouble wrapping this up. But, <laughs> you know, you've got all the world's knowledge in your pocket. Or at least access to it. So people think that they have to have an answer and a response and whatever, you know, like, Oh, I, this is my take on this issue that I don't know anything about. I've never been to Portland. So why do I give a shit what happened? You know, it's, it's the, I'm not going to get emotionally invested in a thing that doesn't involve me. Right. (laughs) And, and that's good. If you is, as long as, because if you do that, if you get really emotionally invested in stuff, well, then you can be controlled by demagogues, right? However, you should practice radical empathy. So when someone says, hey, the cops come black people, a lot of them, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, maybe they are. <laughs> maybe some are, right? Because again, I know a lot of cops and I know it's, you know, I would never want to blanket statement that, but clearly there's... Mm-hmm systemic issues anyway sir we'll wrap it up here and i want to thank you for coming on thank you for having me that's it okay thanks for having me (laughs) for the blanket board 